Hi everyone, I'm Duncan. And I'm Lyle. And we're here to tell you about the Acast supporter feature. If you enjoy this podcast and fancy going one step further in supporting the QLC, hit the link in the show description to find out more. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. What's not to like? Thank you so much, everyone. And enjoy this episode. The Quarter Life Chronicles With Duncan and Lyle Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Quarter Life Chronicles with myself, Duncan, and... Me, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, listeners. How are you all doing? Hope you're doing well. Um, Lyle, how are you? What's going on in your world? Not bad. I'm not bad at all, mate. Thank you very much for asking. Episode 11, can you believe it? Not quite... Oh the same ring to it in terms of a milestone as episode 10 but still a great achievement nonetheless and i i've been well i've been well without wanting to give too much away because it's all still very much in process as it were i've had a big week uh, which will become <laughs> clear in weeks to come it's been a big transitional week i've, I've made a big shift uh Lyle, are, you, are you having a quarter life crisis well it's funny you say this. <laughs> it's funny you say this is it not not just because of how topical that occurrence may be um but also because yes i may well be and uh, all will become clear um, i'm also i'll be honest and again we forever promise that we will never speak of things like this and this particular topic and then we go and do it anyway i am yep. quite nervous as we record here i am just over 90 minutes away from watching my football team compete in their first final for four years which might sound like oh woe is me what your first final in four years I support a team that's never been in the final whatever but I am quite nervous nonetheless so it's, yeah man I mean uh, my team's got his first final in two weeks this weekend so um <laughs> <laughs> to be fair we lost the last one so. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing we're sort of leaving you a bit of a puzzle here listeners as to who we support uh, I'll give you a massive clue on mine I don't support Villarreal in Spain. So there you go. You can put two and two together there. Um, there you go. And, and, and I support uh, I support a Russian-financed West London club <laughs> who, who, uh, who have got a history of terrible strikers. There you go. Other Russian-funded West London clubs, sadly, are not available. Uh, on this <laughs> no, no, no. Occasion. There no. is only one. No. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, um, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Nervous, but good. Dunks, how are you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay, man. Yeah, similar to you. Uh, I'm about to embark on some new things, uh, which, you know, uh, again, I won't delve into too long because it's not about me. Uh, but yeah, no, it's nice. And obviously, um, Eurovision went well in hindsight for us, didn't it? Excellent <laughs> oh, night. Excellent night God, for us. I remember. What's funny was, is I was watching, <laughs> as I was watching it, I remembered you giving him a shout out in episode yeah. 10 when we were yeah. coming to Maggie Sue. Didn't help, did it? Didn't help. No, it didn't <laughs> help. If anything, it was a hindrance. I mean, <laughs> there are so many things to unpick from that. I thought he handled the disappointment of the Millpois very, very well. He did the classic British thing. He just got a beer, threw it in the air <laughs> and went, oh, whatever, I'm going home. <laughs> Which I think is just sort of the quintessential British response to any disappointment. Amazing, yeah. Um, I feel like if uh, every time I was that disappointed by something, I had a beer with me to go, way, yeah, I'd be, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd be uh, I'd be far better off. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you who didn't deal with their particular job particularly well. 
Mm. A certain Amanda Holden didn't deal with her job very well oh my uh, God. on the whole uh, present, oh presentation of our points. Um, I mean, the less said I about mean, that, the better. Yeah, I, I, I have no more comments. No, nothing <laughs> else to offer that. Like, firstly, why was she even chosen? Anyway, oh what, you goodness. know, like, you why didn't they choose someone iconic? Like, I don't know, someone from Drag Race or something. Why did they, <laughs> why, why wasn't Bimini Bomboulash doing it? For well, God's sake. the speculation is that it's between Bill Bailey and Bimini Bomboulash. And trust me, that was not easy to say as a sentence. <laughs> Uh, for, for next year. Bill Bailey, Bimini Bombula. <laughs> I'd love a collaboration. I don't know about anybody else. That would be an amazing collaboration. collaboration. Between the two. Speaking of collaborations, yeah. we thought we'd take it upon ourselves this week, didn't we, Dunks, to mm. inform you, the listeners, who, by the way, thank you so much for all the support we've had so far. It really has been incredible. Yeah, thank uh, this you. This is uh, our penultimate episode of the season. We're going to finish this season with episode 12. And it's... Uh, it's going to be a rather special one, isn't it, Dunks, if you'd like to sort of tentatively explain? Well, I mean, it's special in the sense that we don't know what it's going to be yet. Mm. Um, and <laughs> it's also special in the fact that we don't know when it's going to be released. That will become clearer. Don't worry. Don't panic. We'll let you know. Um, and it's also special in the fact that it's we're going to sort of play around with the format a bit and just, you know, maybe throw in a few surprises about, you know, the sort of content and perhaps who might be interviewed, we'll find out, won't we? Don't well. get ahead of yourselves, listeners. Patience <laughs> is a virtue. I mean, don't get ahead of yourselves, listeners, but also speculation is actively encouraged. I feel like That's if we where, generate yeah, a bit yeah. of a buzz, albeit yeah, yeah. a small one, then yeah. this could uh, this could really take off. But yeah, I think you've uh, you've given as much and as little away as we are prepared to insofar as mm. do just speculate as to who is going to be interviewed. Yeah. And I'll, I'll drop a little fill it in as well. Who might be doing the interviewing? I'll just leave mm. that there. I'll just leave that there. Maybe I've given too much away there, but we're very excited about it. Louis Theroux. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> News has spread and Louis Theroux is now interviewing us. Um... <laughs> uh, possibly. Anyway, Lyle, who have we been speaking to this week? Well, speaking of special episodes, this one was a rather special episode for myself. For right or wrong reasons, I'll leave it up to you, <laughs> listeners, to decide. Um, but this week we were speaking to... The inimitable, the irrepressible, the sensational, and somewhat controversial Owen Fulton. Now, you will recognize that surname because it's my surname. Mm. Owen is my idiot middle brother. I mean, he's my middle brother. Um, <laughs> and uh, he was desperate to get on the pod this series. And I finally relented and allowed him on. And it was an absolutely brilliant conversation. He has a very unique sense of humour. He's a very, very funny guy, but he's also very eloquent and articulate. And it would be remiss of me not to also, at this point in our little introduction to the episode, point out he spoke about some very important things, but some important things that might, to some listeners, be quite sensitive issues, be quite difficult topics to listen to. Full transparency and disclosure, we did discuss everything from suicide to drug use to issues with mental health. And he was very articulate and at times very, very funny and had a great sense of humour about it all. But it would be remiss of me not to point out to certain listeners that if that's something that sounds like it might be quite a sensitive thing to listen to for yourself, then please do refer to our show notes. And listener discretion is obviously, as always, very much advised. But he was a brilliant 
brilliant guest for this episode 11 and we had a great time didn't we Doug? absolutely i i echo everything you just said and of course uh, for anyone who is struggling with their mental health there are lots of ways that you can uh, invest time and get the help that you need and with all those links and resources we will put back on our feed as we did for becky's episode a few weeks back for uh, anyone who needs to check those out and please please do if you are struggling with anything it's really important to speak out and get the help you need and of course listeners a reminder to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast be that spotify apple google wherever and please continue to share us around with your friends your pals anybody who you think might just take a little bit of something from our little little baby pod um <laughs> and uh, that would be amazing so thanks for your support so far we will uh, be ending our season with a bang never fear with but a real now, bang yeah but for now enjoy this week's enjoy listeners to the quarter life chronicles thank you for being on this journey with us so far please enjoy the truly extraordinary owen fulton on the qlc episode 11 and we'll see you on the other side hello 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 to owen fulton ladies and gentlemen and hello yeah the investigative amongst you will notice that owen fulton's surname is the same as my surname because owen is my brother owen is my middle brother and yep i finally relented and i allowed one of you on the podcast how are you mate how are things i'm all good um i am just coming off of getting my second covid jab (laughs) so i am in that weird interim period where i'm not sure whether i'm going to have the worst three days of my life (laughs) or it's going to be fine but it all all seems to be sort of okay i did pass out for about three hours um Uh, and I have also just found um, what seems to be the remnants of a quarter of a wheel of brie that I ate last night. Oh, wow. Good yeah, choice exactly. of cheese. Nice and solid, yeah. nice and not too heavy on the palate. Good yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm feeling it on the palate today. Owen, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you, man. I've heard many a story and I hope we'll yes. hear many more over the next hour or so. Yeah, I mean, um, again, like, you know, I've heard, I've heard a lot about you, Dunk, and this is a weird time to meet you i haven't met you in person yet we need to go and get a drink i'm sure i mean i think that applies to the majority of our guests on this podcast so far it's like i can't wait to meet you soon some like, you know person. when the plague goes away <laughs> we're not far we're, we're so close now aren't we we're doing yeah all right. june 21st we'll see we'll see what happens come on come on um so owen fulton brother of yes. lyle fulton you have yes. stumbled into the court alive chronicles by the fact that you are related to my co-host yeah um, sort of blacked out and ended up here <laughs> so for you owen post blackout what do you associate with the phrase the quarter live crisis what does it mean to you well i think i wasn't fully aware of of the term i think sort of even like the half-life crisis that term had gone gone away because no one really knows how long people live anymore um i see it as quite you know, nihilistic, going like, okay, well, we've only got three of these left, you know, done the quarter, got three quarters to go. Um, and it's also quite a lot, it's, it's quite a millennial quarter-life crisis to actually call it a quarter-life crisis and go like, you know, well, it's all miserable and horrible. It's all going to end soon. What am I doing with my life? Am I an adult? Probably not. I think just listening to the podcast and hearing you guys talk about it has led me to thought of think about it more and talk about it with my friends. Purely because I am not a banker or work in, you know, the city and do normal things that a 26 to 
nine-year-old person should be doing. I work at a bar and I have worked at a bar since I was 18. And seeing other people go off and do other things when I've just been like, you know what, I like making people drunk and I do it quite well. <laughs> so uh, that's what I've been dealing with for the last sort of two or three years was, you know what, I've tried working in the city and I've tried doing all of that lovely stuff that you think you should do when you're sort of 24, 23, 24, but I just keep going back to hospitality. So that's what I've been dealing with is, am I going to be a barman for the rest of my life or am I going to go and do something else? So I think that's my call to life crisis is what's, what's in store? Am I going to earn enough money to have a family one day and all that crappy, horrible bollocks? <laughs> but, um, uh, that's my call to life crisis is what am I? Am I a barman or am I just someone who's quite good at talking to people? And hospitality is the one thing that gives me the ability to do it on a grand scale. There's lots to pick up on there. And obviously, Owen, Owe, whatever our bloody Don't. I've stop. known you for, for a stop, long, long time. Stop giving people ideas for Someone, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Nilo tried to, because we were at the pub and Nilo went, oh, you, I can't believe you told everyone that, they, that you call me Nilo. I was like, Nilo, you told everyone that you call me Pona. Yeah. Which is, which is short for what, Lyle? Uh, I actually forget now, Pony. No, Pornstar. Oh, porn, well. I Dad mean, used to go. call me Pornstar when we were younger. <laughs> and that turned into Pony and then Pona. I mean, we're, we're, we're treading. Guys, we're five minutes in. Bloody hell. We're yeah. treading We're treading dangerously into upbringing, which I'm sure we will all yes. discuss. I, um, I also really enjoyed Lyle going there. Owen, I've known you for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, quite, quite a while here, your like entire a of, life. Like a sort of colleague that you've stayed in touch with. <laughs> I've known you some time now. Um, a quick caveat. Uh, Nilo is short for Niles, uh, who is my youngest brother. Who and it's is, not, it's not Nile. Okay, there isn't a rhyming scheme. There isn't Lyle, Niall, and Owen. And also for six years, there wasn't even the relic of a rhyming scheme. And, it turned <laughs> up and um, had a and, name that uh, sort of sounded like my older brothers. Yes, he is incredibly jealous that he's not on it also. And no, he will not be on it imminently, but he will be on it at some stage. But there's lots to pick up on there. Would you say a court life crisis for you emanated from a single moment where you maybe worked the city job and then decided to leave that and go back into hospitality? Or has it been summed up by a period of time that included lots of different changes in career and also a few other things? Like how, how would you say yours came about? Well, I think you've got to sort of take into account that when I turned 18, I went to university, I did film and television theory, um, and I dropped out of that came back and was like, okay, well, what does one do when you're 18 and you're not at university? Probably go and work in a pub. So I went and worked in a pub and then I came back to university the next year and I found, I figured, well, I've already worked in a pub. I should probably work in another one. So then I worked at a bar in Newcastle for two, no, three years. I bet that was great fun. Oh, it was I was stupid it was it wasn't it was it, I, we I'd get to work at six o'clock on a Thursday and then I'd leave work after doing all the clean down the shutdown at 10 o'clock in the morning on the Friday Blimey. and then we'd go back and do it three more times that weekend yeah, yeah. and we'd be three or four deep at the bar with like Newcastle United firm, uh, players England rugby players all of these people who I had no idea the fuck they were <laughs> asking, <laughs> asking for cocktails that we had to like set on fire and throw at them 
<laughs> um, I, think, I think my favourite one it wasn't was, GTA you weren't creating <laughs> Molotov cocktails uh, <laughs> uh, yo John Joe <laughs> Shelby you want some <laughs> there was a brilliant one where we had a really really shitty shift and my um, my manager Dale um, just let us sit out on the balcony and we were just like okay we're just having our break don't worry and he came in and said I've hired cleaners and then he just put two full bottles of tequila on the table and went, go nuts. Um, and we got fucking rat assed. <laughs> absolute carnage. We went in, we managed to get into the cellar and we went down and we got this massive tray of Heineken, which we didn't sell. And we were doing that game where you take out a can, smash it against your forehead, and the person who breaks it has to down it. So we actually made more mess for the cleaners to clean up as they were doing it and they were really annoyed at us. But we got back at around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning as the sun was coming up. That's what I've always loved about you, Owen, is you're a man of the people. Uh, yeah. these, these are obviously the games that we should all be playing. You know, that's the yes. spirit, isn't it? Um, Drink irresponsibly. I actually had to have um, uh, a conversation with a customer the other day going, you know, my job is not to get you drunk. That's not a barman's job. We're, we're there to sell you a good time and make you, you know, drinks that you'd like and you know, offer advice about life and love. But we're not actually there to get you pissed. So, you know, if you go, it's like, oh, what are you doing? You're meant to be selling a shot. It's like, no, actually, I'm not. I could legally say after three pints, you're too drunk and you have to leave. So that's probably why I like, I like the authority of it as well. I'm in, charge of, I'm in charge of your good time. I just love the fact that you think you deem it your responsibility to give life advice. That's amazing. That's the so like, old. So like a pint is handed over and then sort of a, a droplet of wisdom is just sort of on the side. I really enjoy that. My favourite thing is that as, as everyone who's worked in a bar or more, more a pub um, can talk to is that you have to be very good at talking bollocks about everything mm. and you don't have to have any real knowledge because I, the one thing I'm very good at is talking to people about football but I have absolutely no idea what football is <laughs> and like how they do it where they do it who plays it why they get paid so much all of this stuff but I'm very good at talking shit about it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's that old IT crowd bit going like, yeah, what was Wenger thinking bringing Walker off that early? <laughs> 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 uh, they, always try, they always try and walk it in, don't they? Uh, I, 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 what my advice is I wouldn't try that anecdote now because that's no. about 10 that, years old. That but 10 okay. years. But, you know, don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. I mean, it's a conversation <laughs> starter for sure. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, anyone with an ounce of football knowledge would then go, right, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, and that's wrong. But that's what's great. That's that you, you, you have that availability of knowledge as yeah. a barman to be able to go, right, well, the, I know enough about this particular moment in time and I'm going to use it. No, I love that. I love that. So, I mean, I, I suppose what we're getting from you here is the career is both the embodiment of the quarter life crisis and also what's kind of salvaged it for you as well could you sort of elaborate a bit more yeah. on that? because i suppose i mean i'm sort of going to cheat here a little bit knowing you like i do i've, I've known you a while as we've said um i'm uh, going to cheat here a bit and say that i think there was a little bit of hesitance about maybe returning to a career that you'd already done that had kind of gone varying levels of okay when you were 18, 19. And so there was a hesitance, there was an anxiety about going back. But then that's grown from that into something that you can really see yourself being very proud of. Could you sort of elaborate on that and how that's Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing I, because I've sort of fallen into um, a role of, I train people how to be barman now. 
um and like the customer experience and you know you know how to look like it's effortless and like how to look like you know the coolest person on the planet you know because pouring pints and being a barman is fun it looks fun and that's why people think it's easy and it's the one thing i've said to people is that being a barman and being in hospitality is the easiest fucking job on the planet it's like so easy it's ridiculously easy but it's incredibly hard to be good at so when i first started i didn't know that and i was 18 and i was kind of directionless I was going to uni. I didn't really like my course. I'd never really liked my course because it was it took the fun out of filmmaking for me. It took the fun out of like because it was a lot of red tape. We had to like, basically all we talked about was like you know accident reports and all that lovely stuff. It wasn't about the art of filmmaking. It was about this is how they're made and it's a lot of red tape and money and horrible stuff. So I fell out of that like, with that quite quickly. But then when I came out of university, I was like, okay, well, what the fuck am I going to do with my life? I've got all these, you know, A-levels and all that, like, sort of minor qualifications, but I don't have the big one that everybody needs to get a job. But I do have this experience and this very small thing that everybody does at least once, but then they go off and do other stuff. So I didn't want to, you know, just be a barman because I thought that was kind of me going like, well, I'm just going to be this now. But what I did do was I worked in loads of bars and I worked, you know, I worked on the high street in Bedford. So, you know, I people came in and they had big high-flying jobs earning £30,000 a year and I was earning like £1,200 a month but you know I was having fun and they weren't and I think that's the one thing that got me through was and the one reason when I was working in the city when I left when my internship finished they were I just went well okay I can I went for recruitment jobs and then something just clicked I think we went to we went to the land or ended up working and I just asked, like, do you have any jobs going? And they're like, yeah. Do you want to come in? How many years have you worked behind a bar? I was like, probably about four or five. And then when I worked there, and I was like, yeah, I used to, you know, manage the bar in Bedford, uh, whichever I used to go to. I loved doing that. Um, and then I ended up being a team leader at the landlord. That landlord? The landlord. Um, and then from there, when I came back to Bedford and started working in pubs again in Bedford, I kind of realised, oh, shit this is actually kind of what I really want to do. And now working at the Brew Point, which is a big brewery, and being a team leader bar manager there, there is a way of progressing. And like, you know, when you start out when you're 18, you think, oh, if I keep doing this, and if I keep working in a bar, then I, everybody's going to see me as a failure. Because I just, st- I like, when everybody left, I stayed because it was easy. But what people don't know is you're working 14, 15 hour shifts after a while. You're looking after about 20, 30 people who, you know, you're in charge of. You don't get paid as much as everybody else because the world is unfair, but you start to appreciate, you know, the fact that you're not always going to earn that amount of money. No one's going to earn that amount of money. Only 1% of people get to earn that amount of money and everyone else has to, you know, toe the line work through it and if you know if everybody had the same mentality about bartenders or retail staff or people who work in you know customer service or you know in these shitty little jobs that everybody thinks that they only do because they failed into it or because they're young and it's the only job they can get then the world would be on fire and nobody would getting drunk where are you gonna go for a drink the park everybody needs somebody to drink what you're they listening can't, to can't here, this, is, this like, is a new form of pseudo-politics. This is what we're hearing now. I'm waiting for Owen to be like on the front of like the bartender party, like the latest political party. Yeah. Just like, just like we become... are the underappreciated masses. 
And do you know what? If we all went on strike tomorrow, you bloody hear about it. We've been hearing about it for the last year and a half. Oh, when can we go to the pub? And when you go to the pub, you won't listen to us. Wear a fucking mask. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're not six-year-olds. My 92-year-old grandmother could do it. You could do it for five minutes whilst taking a fucking shit. Jesus. That's a little rant over. That's what I can deal with the last four weeks. Where is it? The 24th? Yeah. I love it. I love it when the tone of our podcast gets upended like this. Like, absolutely. Yeah, gets, honestly, we've been on a real roll of like hard hitting, investigative podcasting. And then we've just hit an absolute freight train from hell oh, in my icon of a middle brother. I mean, I suppose, I suppose the final thing, you know, as ever, we've sort of gone off on some truly beautiful and brilliant tangents but one thing i've been dying to ask you is sorry i'm drinking an unbranded generic fizzy energy drink (laughs) other Other unbranded unbranded generic fizzy energy drinks are available (laughs) we talk a lot about mental health on this podcast we talk a lot about your experiences with mental health our guest experiences with mental health and what's interesting and something i picked up on from what you just said there is this idea of failure and this idea that you can consider yourself a failure without actually rationalizing a what that means and b whether or not that's true and you've discovered i think and i believe that what you've chosen to do does not make you a failure in in fact it makes you a success story based on the decisions you made and where you decided to go in terms of your relationship with your mental health and journey so far do you want to talk to us a little bit as much or as little as you feel comfortable about your history with that and where you're at with it now and how that ties in with what we now know your core life yeah embodies which is your career yeah i mean you know buckle your seatbelts this could get fucking deep quite quickly um <laughs> i've sort of been on a mental health journey i'd say since i was about nine or ten and i remember sort of the the moment I realized I was severely unhappy was probably when I was around nine or 10 when I did this I didn't want to do the steeplechase and for people who don't know what a steeplechase is it's an archaic stupid fucking run that we had to do when we were like seven years old at the school that I won't mention even though I I did okay the school that me and Lyle went to (laughs) Uh, we were younger um, which is like a 10k run mostly in the mud and the rain around all of our school fields and it was fucking horrible and I was a fat kid but I didn't want to do it and then I realized that oh shit I was really unhappy and then mum and dad got divorced that kind of kicked me in the teeth um and that's when sort of like the uh, we kind of started to realize I did have pretty severe depression when I was younger and that sort of led into bulimia sort of you know, not wanting to eat and then eating too much and then, you know, making myself sick. Now I make myself sick for different reasons, mostly whiskey related. (laughs) But back then it was a thing that I was incredibly, like, I wasn't okay about. And I didn't like, you know, I didn't tell anyone about it until I sort of went to university because it's a new group of people and I wanted to, you know, make them really unhappy quite quickly. But then, you know, that sort of like that turned into self-harm when I was like 14, 15. Um, still, you know, that's that's something that I carry with me still, which mum didn't even know about. But she sort of saw the remnants of that when we moved house last year. But then that sort of all changed when I started rowing when I was 14, you know, 13, 14. 
Um, I got fit, you know, got the abs, got the girls. I had a really shit haircut, but, you know, I sort of I changed my my physical body and didn't change the, you know, the old meat sack upstairs. So after a while, I started to sort of peter out and drink too much and do too many drugs and sort of self annihilation which i didn't realize at the time that i was doing but you know smoking too much and you know weed and all of the all of the drugs most you know the, oh my god most of the drugs and then um when i went to university i was kind of like okay let's figure this out this isn't good you've been spiraling for a while you don't know what to do with your life let's figure this out so i went to the doctor and i got on um, a series of medication um, and that was fine. I hadn't been on it since I was about 10 or 11 when mum first put me on it. But I was like, okay, that's sorted. That's good. Then um, <laughs> the drugs came back into it again. I started sort of like, you know, playing around with them a bit more. I was a bit more, you know, we'd read up on them more. I was older. I wasn't just, you know, fucking around and being like, oh, that looks like uh, fun. Let's do that. It was um, controlled. Mm. And then... Um, I came back from university because I dropped out and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to come back. I'm going to figure myself out. I'm going to be on the medication, blah, blah, blah. Actually, no, I came back first because my mate Feast passed away. Um, and that was in um, 2014. <clears throat> but he drowned in Bristol. Um, and that was drug related. And um, that was kind of the wake up call to go like, fuck, what the fuck are we doing? This is so stupid. You know, we're kids, but, you know, we can be better than this. So that's what kind of stopped that. And then I moved back and then uh, my mate Matt died. That wasn't anything to do with anything, but that was, you know, that was another one of like, he went to Oxford and he was super uh, attractive and handsome and had a, a brilliant girlfriend and had a really bright future. And like, it was always looking out for us and, was you know taking us on holiday just this amazing brilliant guy um and then when he passed away i was like well for one i was really unhappy and that kind of kicked my depression into overdrive as i think lol could probably adhere to because i was in a terrible place for a very long time um like carrying his coffin with you know five of my mates that was that that really fucked with my head and that made me go on different medications for my depression. It made me go on medications that made me very angry. It made me go on medications that made me not want to wash, not want to leave bed, you know, um, suicidal thoughts. And then I got onto some pills that actually worked. And I got, you know, I got, I started talking to people. I started going to a therapist and, you know, they made me realize that, you know, and this is the one thing I've always, you know, said to people ever since sort of like 2000 and where did he pass away i've got it on my wrist somewhere 2016 is that you know the way that you feel after this loss and the way that you feel you don't want anybody else to feel that way and that's you know also what kind of saved me around that period was that you know my mates my family all banded together and looked out for each other and then um when i was working in the city I found out that my other mate Jordan had passed away and that kind of made me have another rethink and go, the fuck am I doing? Like, you know, they're dropping like flies, (laughs) 
you know, it's happening more or less every year, if not, you know, every year and a half. And I'm sitting on a fucking desk making people coffee and writing the same old boring shit every day. What am I doing? Like this kid, this is finite, you know. Jordan was training to be in the Marines and fell off a cliff trying to save his friend who got stuck in a tree whilst skiing. Feast went to, you know, the Lees in Cambridge, was one of the most clever people I've ever met in my entire life, and drowned in Bristol because he slipped and fell. Matt went to Oxford and, you know, could, you know, bench press 115 kilos, and he died of, you know, a mixture of painkillers, alcohol, and altitude whilst going skiing on the varsity Oxford and Cambridge ski trip. These aren't people who you think, oh, they, you know, overdosed. Blah, 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 blah. These were just freak accidents that ended three incredibly brilliant people's lives. And when that, when I thought, when I figured that out, I was like, what, what the fuck? Just have fun. I don't care about money. I don't care about anything. I don't care about status. I don't care about like anything really. I just want to have a good time and have, you know, as it can have a time. And that's when I started working back in bars and I've sort of never looked back. And that was when I was 23, 23, 24. Maybe. It, time doesn't exist anymore during the plague, so I have no idea what's going on. But yeah, that, that's sort of, that's beginning to end where I'm at now with my mental health journey. But it's been a long, tumultuous ride. You know, we've had a few other guests in recent weeks that have bared all for us and really told us the inner workings of their sort of psyche and what they've been through. And, and it takes a lot of bravery to do that. So thank you very much um, for, for going there yeah. for us. Um, you, you know, we're entirely grateful and I'm sure, you know, for me, it's, I'm sure Lyle's probably heard a lot of that before, but but for me, that's the first time I've heard it. So thanks very much. And um, No, dude. I mean, that's the one thing I think Lyle kind of was the trajectory that he wanted this to go on because I am incredibly open about it. And if anybody wants to talk to me about it, I'm, you know, I'm as I said, you know, sit down. It's going to be a long one and it's probably going to get quite sad. But that's the whole point is that if you don't talk about it, it's not there. You know, I think this and the conversation that's being talked about more and more and more about mental health and about young people and their mental health is that when when people ask me about it, you know, I'm fully open because why wouldn't I? You know, it's not anything to be um, ashamed of. And what I think is brilliant about you guys is that, you know, you're you're bringing that conversation into a much larger sort of extended conversation that maybe if people are a bit anxious to talk about it they can just listen to you guys talk about it and i think that's a really important thing to do and mm. you know and to make fun of it because you know being depressed and being anxious is intrinsically hilarious you know it's like it's stupid and it shouldn't be you know i've forgotten that basically you're unhappy with the best thing that you're ever going to get which is your life I think I think what you're getting onto there is something I think I've realised a lot is that the people who are the most unhappy often are the ones that talk about it the least. Um, oh yeah, and and you know you you see it's it when you when, yeah when you're having conversations with potentially some people that are maybe in older generations who didn't discuss mental health in the same way we all do now. You sort of have that you're having that conversation. You see them sort of tense up because like that's somewhere they just never go and they've never gone and they never probably will go. Yeah, and that's sad. That is sad because at least we're a generation that is more open and honest about this and it, and it, it really does help to talk. And I think not enough was done in previous generations to encourage it. And I think it's, we're seeing the effects of that now because the pandemic has, has left people in a real 
shithole, a lot of stuff is probably catching up with people because they've been stuck inside all year with their thoughts. And yeah, if they didn't have yeah. that help, then, you know, it wasn't there for a lot of people. I think um, it's that you, you've kind of hit the nail on the head there of like stiff upper lip and, mm. you know, you weren't, you know, men were men and women were women and you just had to get on with it, you know. Mm. Um, and, you know, things are changing. You know, the times, they are changing, um, as Bob Dylan once said. <laughs> and I think, you know, for better and for worse, because, you know, there are the, the, these things are serious. These things are you know, they are illnesses. They are, you know, they're not something that, you know, you should plaster over social media for likes and clicks and like, please like and subscribe because, you know, I got really unhappy yesterday after my millionth subscriber said I was a twat. We have to sort of make this open and honest, make this conversation be heard a lot clearer, but also don't let it become a meme because, you know, everything at the moment is a fucking meme. Uh, this is an important conversation. It shouldn't be, you know, I like to joke about it because I'm allowed to because I've got it. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, it's like, you know, going up to someone in a wheelchair going like, oh, yeah, my legs really hurt as well. It's like, you want, like, you know, it's not the same thing. But yeah, I think, you know, having you guys, you know, having people on and like talking about different struggles that people go through, especially around this age where, you know, back in the day, I mean, we were like Lyle's, um, uh, like, what, you're like 38 now? Um, like he's, um, uh, he, 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 dad, <laughs> his age, dad with his age. No, Owen, I mean, come on, you're forgetting. He's 39. Oh. 39. Uh, dad, with his age, when, he, when he was his age, had you know, a house and he had a career that was paying a lot of money and he had a wife and he had a kid, you know, and, you know, back then even like a lot of money could buy you a house and you know we can't do that anymore we have to rent and like Lyle's had you know to move his wedding like 40 times at this point and um you know probably not going to have kids for like you know well whenever Alice agrees to have sex with him again so you know, <laughs> that's that th these are all things that are, you know um are generational that I was about to big you up, mate. I was about to defend you. I was about to big you up. I was about to say one. I was about to agree with you, and then you go and throw that in. For God's sake! I don't know where well, it came from. I, that, we can cut that out, right? We can. Uh, well, I, um, some th some things are uncuttable, and they have made it. Um, what I was going to say is um, that kind of leads leads on nicely to a question uh, that he might have been asked before uh, Owen, and perhaps Lyle's been asked this too at certain at certain times. You're a trio of brothers, which is an interesting dynamic, yes. as lots of people will attest to. What was it like growing? up with Lyle and Niall uh, there we go um, um, yeah, Lyle and Lyle no that's why I forgot because it sounds so similar yeah. Niall and Lyle what was it like growing up with with those two and how's how's that relationship changed how how have you helped each other out oh. through sort of adolescence into adulthood etc how's that been yeah I think yeah. <laughs> this is like this turned into a therapy session <laughs> uh, yeah I think like the one the one thing that me and Lyle and Niles have is that we are very close in age, me and Lyle more so. Me and Lyle grew up together. So I think one of my funniest ones was because me and Lyle were so close in age and Lyle is so small and I'm so big, is that when we were in a double pram, people used to think we were twins, but I had something a bit wrong with me. So I'd, so I'd be like six months old and Lyle was two and a half. So he was speaking full sentences to mum. And I was going, blah, 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 and like spitting on myself. They were going, like, oh, they're so cute. I'm sorry about the other one. And I was going, like, they're not twins. He's literally fresh out. <laughs> and Lyle's been around for a while. How, um, how is it that this is essentially a story about you, people thinking there was something wrong with you 
when you were a small baby and yet you still managed to include to some form down. of subtle insult in there about my height relative to your height. It's extraordinary. I mean, like you're, you know, I've told you to get Cuban heels. I mean, I'm, I'm staring at mine right now. That's quite good. <laughs> I know when, when we grew up, so me and Lyle were two years apart. So we kind of did the same things. We, we experienced the same things. I remember me and Lyle learning about sex, like kind of at the same time. Um, like with a talk was having being had from both from dad like with us around that time because I didn't think he I don't think he wanted to do it twice <laughs> so it's just like we'll do it for both of them and then you know we had our ups and downs I remember I pulled a knife on Lyle once that was a hectic day um, that was a bit of a day that was a bit of a day Lyle's beaten me up before like um, we've had our scuffles Lyle's like choked me out a couple of times like not I, true. Un, un, unverified and we were young. Without, I'm, without I'm, merit. We were young. I'm just trying to imagine Lyle in a fight. I'm just I just can't <laughs> it's imagine it. Terrifying. <laughs> it's like it's it's like seeing like, you know, like the youth pastor from down the lane <laughs> like, with like a baseball bat going like what like what the hell ticked him off enough to renounce God and go beat the shit out of someone. Wow. But then Nilo, when Nilo turned up, I remember this is what mum used to say, what, what mum loves to say, is that um, my first like utterance was like, I'm not going to be the baby anymore because I was like a six-year-old kid and this new bastard turned up and was taking away all of my glory. But then I began, then, because that sort of, that changed my dynamic because Lyle was always the eldest son. He was, you know, the, the one who was meant to look after me. He was the smartest. He was the most athletic. And I was just like the younger brother, like, you know, dub ba dub ba dub ba dub but then in an instant, I turned from the younger brother into the middle brother. And like Lyle didn't, Lyle's dynamic didn't change. He was still the oldest brother. But I turned into the middle child, which is also, you know, meant to be the twat. The rebel. Yeah, the rebel without one of those what, causes. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think I kind of resented Niles for a very long time, purely because I could see him turning into a bell end. And I didn't like that. Um, he was, he was giving off a lot of bell-endish vibes at like the age of like two. And I was like, this kid's going to be a bell-end. Um, so I tried to steer him in the only way that I knew how, which was, you know, calling him out for being a bell-end. Um, <laughs> but me and Nilo get on like a house on fire now, and I love him to absolute pieces. I think, you know, that's just, that's just a product of him growing up. He wanted to be like me and Lyle. And, you know, a 12-year-old can't be like an 18-year-old. It's just not humanly possible mm. you know he can try his best but he'd still be immature and he'd still be a 12 year old you know when he's hanging like you know why can't i go to the pub with lyle and, lyle and owen it's like well because you're 12 um, like uh you know those two have always been very similar and very close and then never stop you yeah for <laughs> 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 the tape that did i wasn't drinking at 12 <laughs> I mean, I bar- tried. There's a barman through and through, folks. With he was serving um, espresso martinis, aged 10. You're listening to the Quarter Life Chronicles with Duncan and Lyle. So, as you've already alluded to us, Owen, you've been working in hospitality for uh, as long as you can remember, and you are loving it. Um, but I'm sure that your, your sort of enjoyment of said job has been put to the test in the last 18 months or so um, with how sort of that has been 
um, under pandemic rule. Uh, so I wonder how that's been for you uh, and also what else you've done in the meantime during that time to sort of keep yourself busy, both in a work sense and also a personal sense. Yeah, I think um, so. As we've all known, um, uh, hospitality has been closed. Bars have been closed. The first lockdown um, in the UK will forever have been announced on my birthday. Oh, man. 23rd of March, 2020. When what I a great 25. gift. Yeah, I was still texting my mates going like, so pub or... <laughs> Uh, Boris yeah. says we can't go, but I'm pretty sure we can We've got till go. midnight, folks. <laughs> Come on, it's Monday. Let's go. Um, uh, I also got COVID, um, so that was fun. I lost my sense of taste and smell for about a week and a half, two weeks, which I figured out in the most millennial quarter-life crisis way ever because I was in bed and I was like, hmm, I can't taste my vape. Um, uh, but for the last 18 months, we've been we've been shut. I used to work at the Standards, which is a independently owned bar um, owned by the legend, the goat that is Mr. Dwayne Oz Parkin. Um, and he, unfortunately, because he ran a gym as well, because he's built like a, a fridge, um, he um, couldn't afford to put any of us on furlough. I was on universal credit for, I think, nine months. No, t- until we opened in August. And then I got off UC and I was working behind the bar again. Um, and then we closed in November. So I was back on UC. Um, and then we have just opened up in April. So I've been sort of like for the last 18 months, not earning a lot of money, um, living with the rents, um, looking after my grandmother, um, working with my dad um, on building up the business. Um, I started doing driving lessons again. I'm going to do my driving test in a couple of months. Um, because the world is closed, I can't do it at the moment. Um, and I've you know, been exploring, as Lyle, um, as Lyle knows, um, some radio possibilities. Someone got in contact with about Bedford Radio, but that was all that's all charity work, so I don't get paid for that. So that's a kind of a side gig I'm doing. But the one thing I will say is that, you know, to my point about hospitality being very important to me, it's made me realize that hospitality is very important to a lot of other people as well. Because the one thing that keeps coming up and will always come up in this country when they close the pubs is when are the pubs opening? Mm. Um, and it's I think it's made people you know appreciate what we do a lot more. It's a it's a difficult one to sort of uh, calculate because when they do come back in, it's like oh we haven't been out for ages. You guys are doing such a brilliant thing. It's like yeah, but there's still a quite loud contingent of people who are taking us for granted i was just going to say um i i do i i completely understand because I, the last couple of weeks obviously things have opened up again and i really have felt the the difference in my mood and my and my um general well-being from being able to socialize in a mutual venue with someone that maybe i haven't seen in a while absolutely, or someone who i'm absolutely. reconnecting with and you just didn't have the the ability to do that for the last pretty much the last 12 months solidly um and it's just, you don't realise what you have until it's gone. And you know, we're quite a unique country because not many countries in the world have all these selection of pubs that we can all go and meet in. So for a lot mm. of people, you know, this isn't the same situation. But I imagine in other settings, it's the same sort of bars, cafes, et cetera, around Europe and the world. It's such an amazing thing that we do, human contact, human interaction. And like you say, taking it back to simple things, that is all you need, isn't it, really? Yeah. Just I- nice chums, a drink, 
good times. Absolutely. You yeah. know, I think um, the one thing, cause you know, right. You know, restaurants and cafes have opened up as well. And you know, that's excellent. We were opening up hair salons. You can go, you know, make yourself look pretty. But the one thing that I think is, is, it's very significant and very, and it's going to be a very significant thing over the next six months when we do open up and restrictions are eased is that the pub is going to be the place where people get their confidence back mm. because anxiety about this whole thing ending is a huge, massive thing at the moment. And people don't want to leave their houses. They don't want to go out and see people. They might get the virus, blah, 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 blah. Um, so to have a pint and to have, you know, or if you don't drink, you know, to be around people who have had a drink, to relax and to sort of ease back into it. We have to look after these sorts of places. And, um, I know alcohol's bad. I know it's bad for you. I know you shouldn't do it and you shouldn't drink it and we should all go alcohol free. But at the moment, please look after our pubs <laughs> because and look after your servers and look after mm. you know, look after the people that are putting their, you know, health at risk and doing 14 hour days to make, you know, all of this stuff open up again. Yeah. That's the one thing I'd say to people is that, you know, if you're feeling a bit anxious about opening up, you know we're feeling exactly the same and mm. we just want to make it as pleasant and as normal as it was before the plague hit. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, just be as nice to servers and retail and hospitality and people yeah. working cabs and taxis and, you know, everybody who's still working when you finish at the weekend, just, you know, keep an eye on them because, you know, we're trying our hardest as well. Yeah. Too right. Pay them respect. They deserve. Excellent. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Also, are you doing what you promised you'd never do and basically using mine and Dunks' podcast as an opportunity for you to pre-run for mayor in 2025? <laughs> oh, no. I actually I actually met the mayor's son. He's an old mate of mine, Dan Massey, and he came in. And I was just like, dude, am I right in thinking I saw that your dad became the mayor of Bedford a couple of weeks ago? He's like, yeah, it's crazy, right? I was like, what the fuck, man? Come on. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. He was Such. wearing the gold necklace and everything. I was like, bloody hell. Classic response. Yeah, man. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dad's dude, mayor. Yeah. Look, it's, it's open to anybody. Count Binface finished fourth in London. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> anything's possible, very, lads. He's got a very good platform of trying to turn the Tower Bridge into Phoebe Waller Bridge. So. <laughs> <laughs> I also, who was the guy who um, who wanted to turn London into, into Lundoff uh, for like yeah. a weekend every month? Um, that was, um, Nico. it's Cat, it's yeah, Nico, he's just, yeah, yeah, yeah he, did a, he did all right as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. he came, him came and, top um, five. Uh, Max Fosh. Rex Fosh was a guy I met at uni in Newcastle. He's a great guy as well. Also, uh, I, I cannot preach to be as controversial as my illustrious and intrepid middle brother that we have here on the uh, <laughs> the podcast this week. But controversial opinion, Count Bimface, robbed. Absolutely robbed. Absolutely. He was top three yeah. minimum. Top yeah, three man. minimum. Who was the other guy? It's like Count Binface, Lord Binface. It was something else. Oh, there was there was, there was bucket there was bucket missed Lord Buckethead who Lord Buckethead and Count who, who contested Theresa May's seat once and nearly and sort of nearly came within. I always love the photos of the, after they after the, all the polling's done and it's the photos of people in suits. Then just Lord Binface at the end. Yeah, yeah, with his bucket. Just Elmo going like, yeah, I'm here too. Absolutely magnificent, absolutely magnificent work from Binface from Nico uh, Buckethead, and it says a lot about your potential run should you ever do it but i reckon they will have politics burn it all to the ground that's what burn I burn it all to the ground 
burn it all. Russell just, Brand, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. we, we, just, we just had a plague and now we're having the great fire of the UK. <laughs> yeah, the America attacked itself. This has not been a good year. <laughs> For anyone listening who thought they were going to get a sensitive and level-headed and measured hour or so of podcast material you've just heard someone say burn politics to yeah. the ground we've we've gone from like we've gone from like the today show to a metal concert in like a week <laughs> i don't really mean that don't oh, I don't know, send I know. Me, don't send me hate mail or try and cancel me whatever. oh don't worry <laughs> critical mail critical mail is welcomed oh, this might be, be the first ep we get critical mail for i'm pretty confident <laughs> you're listening to the quarter live chronicles don't forget to like and follow on instagram and Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Cheers, guys. Owen, normally at this point in the pod, I'd thank our guests so much for coming on, uh, but it would absolutely break my heart to thank you for anything. No, I'm joking. Uh, thank you. <laughs> love, the, love the use of pod. But, uh, <laughs> such a podcast, isn't it? Yeah, we're, get, we're getting way too big for our boots. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all about the shortening of podcasts once you've done two or three episodes. That's what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, the pod, man. The pod, yeah. Yeah, dude, you're going to be on the cast around. later on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the cast. You're going to be uh, you're gonna be putting something up. When are, we, when are we casting? Are we doing that? Without further ado, it would not be an episode of the Quarter of Life Chronicles without something we affectionately call, because it's what it's called, the oh. League of Millennial Moaners. Now, what this is, Owen, is you're given about a minute, more or less, to rant about something that really gets on your nerves, no matter how small, something that really gets on your nerves. We call it sweating the small stuff here Absolutely. on the QLC. Give us your millennial moan in a minute, more or less, far away. I think the one thing that really gets on my tits is that, you know, is younger people, especially sort of like, let's say Niles' age, Gen Z, moaning about fucking anything. They're always on the Twitters and they, like, they've got TikTok now, which is endlessly hateful. And I think it should be, you know, taken away from everyone. Um, and they're just always going on about like, you know, oh, dude, like, you know, I, my 500,000th follower on my OnlyFans doesn't like me. It's like, Stop talking about it. Go out, get a job. You're too old now. You're getting to like 19 and you're still going around. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be a Kardashian. No, you're not. OK, five minutes of fame doesn't exist. Five minutes of fame is an average. One person gets five minutes of fame. Everybody else gets nothing. Chill out. Stop doing dances. Stop trying to get me to go on these things and do dances with you. I don't want to be on TikTok. TikTok can fuck off. We did Vine. It didn't work. And now we've got TikTok and the Chinese are listening to everything we do. I don't like it. There's so many things that we could be doing with our time that isn't TikTok or trying to be a YouTuber. YouTuber is basically TV at this point. You don't have the money to do it and I don't have the time. Stop it. Stop doing it. Yes. That's what I'm pissed off about most of the time is people trying to get me to do TikToks. I don't like TikTok. Tell us how you really feel. Uh, tell us how you really feel. Uh, exactly. My, I mean, that was a no holds barred thrill ride through you hating modern social media platforms. Modern social media platforms are toxicity that needs to be cut out immediately. It makes <laughs> everyone unhappy. It makes everybody like try and be everybody else and try and be better than everybody else. Everybody's half naked all the time now. I don't know why. I don't know where the fuck that happened. Well, Instagram used to be, oh, look, it's so good. Everybody just takes photos of their foods. Now it's photos of their, their ass constantly everywhere. You know, Instagram isn't real. You know, make just send me memes 
and people playing really nice music. That's all I want to see on Instagram. And then funny videos of people falling over on Facebook and TikTok can be destroyed at the atomic level. Well, I mean... Wow. Break, break that and down. And Gen Z can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole, uh, that's a whole, uh, that's a whole generation. demographic that we yeah. can't air this podcast to. <laughs> yeah. Just specifically Cheers. this episode. Cheers for that, mate. Cheers. Never has a moan been so articulately sweary and also so damaging for our audience base. Um, I think but there it's you just go. I'm getting quite pissed off that I'm getting older. I think like, because I work, because I do work at a bar, I work now with 17-year-olds who are waitresses and stuff like that. And, like, 17-year-olds who are doing their A-levels. The guy, Ben, who was doing his A-levels. And, like, I just don't... I, we're not that much older than them. And I have no idea what the hell any of them are talking about, mm. what any of it means or does. Like, it's all very confusing. And you I did, like, but you did once. You've I did just, you, once. You've just placed it in a dark part of your brain that you're never going to go to again. That's yeah, it. I'm. Yeah, I think it's just I'm. I'm <laughs> sick and tired of people having fun that I don't understand. <laughs> that's um, that's the main point. And on the subject of fun, let's end with some fun. I caught a lifetime capsule, a positive capsule of joy that we're going to take from the ground and embrace fully. Um, We need one essential, one luxury and one unexpected item that would really sum up your quarter life years. Owen Fulton, if you were to find this capsule years down the line, if you could please tell us your essential item, your luxury item and unexpected item. They don't have to be an item. Bear that in mind. They don't have to be an item. Yeah. Could, could be a person. Could be an event. Could be a moment. So All I, I've come to the conclusion that my essential item should be just a photograph book of all of the terrible hairstyle and clothing choices I've made over my life, <laughs> which would be an assortment of skinny chinos. Yes, those yeah. were an actual thing I bought oh. um, and wore. I wore female skinny jeans from Primark for a very long, too long. Um, I had emo, I just did shoulder length hair. I had every type of hair. I looked like an idiot for most of my life. Um, and I just want to you know, go back and rem- like, just don't, please don't do any of that, either, any of that stuff again. I think that'll be a good reminder to never do any of that stuff. If I was to pick it up when I'm old and gray and go, oh yeah, what a dick. <laughs> um, uh, my luxury, probably just as a reminder of my time and my love for my, you know, my new job. And also my heritage would be an incredibly good bottle of Scotch whiskey. I got Lyle, uh, was it a 23-year-old bottle of Scotch whiskey, which he's having right now for his birthday. You know, I, I can't remember the one that I got him, but I can go for some Lagavulin or like I'll get some Japanese yeah. whiskey or something like that. Um, or an Eilie whiskey or some Lafuegue. The unexpected one. Yeah. Um, a 2008 Nintendo DS Blue <laughs> Nintendo edition with um, uh, a cartridge of Pokemon Emerald, the DS version of Mario Kart, and Pokemon Diamond. And then I'd be set for life, basically, because those are the three greatest games that have ever been released. And people can quote me on that. Wow. I mean, what is quite a collection of... Uh, Eclectic. We should yeah, that very, I'm very, I'm very impressed with that selection. The Nintendo DS is a great shout. That is a great I shout. I love that machine. That was, they were huge for a while, weren't they? They were massive. Yeah. Like, everyone was like, there was just I DSs kind of everywhere. Really, I, I've, I've stole, well, acquired our little brother's Nintendo Switch. 
and um, they're bringing out remakes of the Nintendo Pokemon uh, uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. So, yeah. And I've never been more excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go through all the ups and downs of those two games. The, the Generation Zs will never get it. They will never Indeed, understand. Pokemon will never is, understand. Pokemon is very near and dear to me. Me and Lars still play Pokemon Go. I think we're the only people on the planet oh, that still play Pokemon Go. Don't um, out me on that. <laughs> <laughs> How could you? We've got we 11 spent... episodes in and people thought I was kind of... I mean, maybe I'm saying... Maybe I'm being worse. He's really good at it as well. Listen. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the, the news is out. That's staying in. That's staying in. Lyle, Lyle is incredible at Pokemon Go. <laughs> so I thought I was doing quite well, and then he just like just flicked through his Pokedex, and I was going, "What? What? Oh, I've been playing this solidly for the last six years, but it looks like it." Don't use phrases like "flick through his Pokedex." Oh yeah. And make Flick through the decks. Sorry. I should, I should <laughs> nuts and um, a, a, a thing to be proud of. <laughs> what you just done. So, the last time I saw Lyle as well, we went for a drink in London at my old pub, The Landor, and we spent and like an, a stupid amount of time trying to trade um, cadabras with each other so we could get Alakazams, and we still didn't do it. And I, I've I've been thinking about that a lot lately. <laughs> we've been we've, it's been been occurring to me for, a, for for quite some time. I mean, we've said for weeks that we weren't going to become a sports podcast and talk about football all the time, and now we're drifting into becoming Pokemon. a video game podcast. Oh, yeah. mate! Uh, hey, look, there's big money in the gaming world. I made it on Xbox the other day as well. And then I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> Too much money. What is the That's point? Stupid. An ex- extraordinary millennial moan a fabulous contribution to the quarter life time capsule you know i love you very much you know i think you're brilliant you know i'm very very proud of everything you've achieved how you've responded to everything you've been through and you've also not let me down in being both wonderful eloquent funny but also about as controversial and divisive a guest as we're ever likely to have on the Quarter Life Chronicles. And it's well, only season one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you say that, but you do have our other brother. Who's yeah, well, he's going to be even worse. I point. dread that. I mean, and he is... <laughs> He is my moan, like he is Gen Z. So, like he's he's going to have a rebuttal, which I hope he does. Come at me, Niles. You might have accidentally oh, yeah. encouraged a rethink on getting him on as early as next season. So we'll see how we go. Maybe I'll maybe I'll play that one by ear. Yeah, the three musketeers are going to fight it out to uh, work out. <laughs> but thank you so much, mate. I'm sure I speak for for myself and Dunks when I say you've been an absolute pleasure to speak to. It's been obviously not just brilliant fun to talk to you, but quite an eye opener even for me, having known you uh, for quite some time, as we said earlier on. Um, yeah, you but- know, we've met. I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, great to chat to you and, and thanks for your honesty uh, no, and uh, candidness. It was really great yeah, to re- finally see you in motion. I mean, stills and tubes, like you're a very attractive man. Like what? Well, you've been hiding him from me, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> what wow. a note to end on. What a note wow. to end on. Uh, how do I, how Anybody do I respond to that? To follow this podcast. This is a charming dapper looking man. His hair is looking fantastic. Especially get like because I'm wearing a hoodie and a shitty snapback. <laughs> I haven't showered in about forty-eight hours. You are you are far too kind, and uh, I, I I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> you finally rendered Dunks one half of the QLC is speechless. There you go. You heard yes. it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Owen Fulton, my darling, idiot, ridiculous brother. You sensational. (laughs) Loads of love, man. You've been brilliant. And we'll see you on short very, very soon. Thanks so much, buddy. Take care. See you later. This has been the Quarter Life Chronicles with Duncan Mitchell and Lyle Fulton. You know the drill. Give us a follow on Instagram and don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Until next week, 
Thanks for listening.